Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. I'm Josh Desch, the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. And I am joined as always by my non-toxic wife, Betsy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. A little different, huh? Yeah. Hey, everybody. I, I have to be honest. There are times that I'm toxic. But I just called you non-toxic. Thank you. And and the non-toxic. vast majority of time, uh, you are as clean as a whistle. Oh, thank you. So, Bets, here's why I use that adjective today. Here is the title of today's episode: Why can't we be friends? A conversation about toxic people. I love it. Yeah. Toxic is the hot word. Oh yeah. The kids say it to us. Our yeah. kids. You're so toxic. Oh, all the time. And I just want to say to you that if I don't like how this conversation is going, I'm off this podcast. Okay. I'm walking out of this room. I'm throwing Fine. throwing the mic down. Billy can just deal with it, well, and uh, Billy I'm can done. Finish it himself. I'm done. I'm out too. <laughs> if this gets toxic, I'm out of here. <laughs> that is what the kids say, though. Toxic. Of course it is. Yeah. That's so toxic. When did you first hear the word toxic and what was your understanding? I mean, when you heard it, like not meaning yeah, poison. a nuclear waste site. Right. Uh, but when did you hear it used as the kids these days? Well, use can it? we go back to Britney Spears? Sure. Um, remember, because you know that you're toxic. Remember that song? Sure. I can't remember. I, I yeah. should have looked it up before this. It I, sounded better than Britney there. It's yeah. something about toxic. I think it's called toxic. And that would fit this context. So she was kind of a trailblazer because that's that's that song didn't just come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure you've heard this word is everywhere. It also connects with things like cancel culture. Sure. Um, just saying, oh, I don't like what this person's saying. I am canceling them. I mean, but, some people might need to know what you mean by canceling. I mean, yeah, we'll, I think most people know what that is. We'll but, get into that. Okay. But what inspired this episode was an article in The Atlantic titled, That's It, You're Dead to Me, Sudden, Suddenly Everyone is Toxic. This came out in August of this year. And that's the author of this article just talked about what it's like now, uh, particularly with people that, let's say, are like 30 and younger, with relationships and how people are frequently described as toxic and what the outcome of that is. But when you hear someone or something described as toxic, what's your understanding of what that means uh, today? Uh, Maybe, um, let's see here, toxic. Maybe narcissistic. Okay. um, Insensitive. You refuse to listen to how someone else feels. You won't, uh, you know, your, your opinions are all set in stone and... You're just a difficult person to get along with. Stubborn. Yeah. Um, Just someone who, I don't know, just someone who spreads bad stuff, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Now, that's helpful. And all of those things are uh, being used when people say toxic. But did you know there is sort of a fuller use of the word toxic? No, I didn't. Which is like this. When the Chernobyl accident happened and, and uh, <laughs> what, what was released into the air, it was, it was radiation, right? Sure. And, and what was the fear there? Uh, Everybody would get sick. Yeah, and, and die and, uh, and get radiation poisoning, get cancers. Here, here's my point. The way toxic is used today, oftentimes it is intended to say a person is dangerous. Mm. So, so if I say um, this person is toxic to me, a lot of times the way the word is being used now is not simply to say they don't agree with me, they're stubborn, they're annoying, 
the word, the way it's being used is actually to say this person is dangerous to me, dangerous to my well-being. Uh, oftentimes the fear, the danger there is not a physical danger, but it is an emotional danger. Mm. Like this person is a threat to my emotional health. And so what is the result of this? Um, nowadays, there is sort of an internet phenomenon of eliminating toxic people from your life. Mm-hmm. Have you have you seen, have you come across a headline yeah. yet? Okay, I mm-hmm. have too. Here's, and before I even started researching this topic, I'd come across headlines. But here's some headlines that are out there. Seven tips for eliminating toxic people from your life. Mm. Or seven ways to cut a toxic friend out of your life. So pretty strong. And yeah, like you said, the word toxic obviously comes from the word toxin, which means a poison. So that's calling someone that should be something that's pretty harsh. Yeah. 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 Here is the WebMD definition of of a toxic person, Betts. WebMD, the authority on all things. Of course, of course. (laughs) They say they define a toxic person as anyone whose behavior adds negativity and upset to your life. Wow. Okay. So I've got some issues with that definition. So that's pretty broad, isn't it? Yeah. My my kids would be toxic. My dog would be toxic. We've got a very toxic dog. (laughs) That is ridiculously unhelpful. Can I share with you some mantras that are now f- common on Instagram and Pinterest? Sure. There is no better self-care than cutting off people who are toxic for you. Mm. Here's another one. If I cut you off, chances are you handed me the scissors. Ooh, I harsh. mean, this, this is strong. So increasingly, we are living in a world where people... And, and, and not just statements. I mean, every now and then you'll hear somebody say like, that statement was toxic, but it's, all, it's always connected to a person, right? Yeah, that's how it seems, yeah. So mm-hmm. it seems like the way that the word is normally used is, well, you said a toxic thing, therefore you are a toxic person. Or you're being toxic. You're being toxic. Mm-hmm. And therefore the healthy thing that I should do is to cut you out of my life. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that trend? Well, I mean, I think that's... It's really interesting if you dig down into it to see, I mean, obviously there are people who shouldn't be in your life. Like there's a good thing about setting boundaries with some people. It's not that people should be allowed to treat you however you want and you just accept it all the time. So I think that there there are parts of it that are well-intentioned and wise even to set boundaries with some people um, because there are ways that people can hurt you and, and will hurt you. So it is, there is wisdom in boundaries with certain people. Mm-hmm. I think it gets very problematic when you say anyone I you know disagree with or as, as WebMD said, whose behavior adds negativity and upset to your life. If you don't have anyone in your life whose behavior and or attitudes bother you, I think that's probably not great, right? Yeah, I mean I mean here here's the concern that there is a fragility that is becoming established in our culture but that's actually not the thing that concerns me the most. Although, you know, we don't want a world where where no one can ever hear anything critical because if they sure. do they fall to pieces. Right. But I I think for me the bigger concern is a bitterness. Mm. 
and a resentment that can flow in to where it's like, look, if you ever don't say anything or do anything that I like, you're out of my life. Mm. And Bets, you were telling me that you've come across some things recently about family estrangement, which yes. seems consistent with this. Absolutely. Where it's like, okay, something's happened. We had a conflict. We had a fight. Therefore, you're out of my life now. This is what it means to cancel a toxic cult, a person. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've seen the universities do this. And it's honestly, it's been conservative speakers mm-hmm. almost every time. A conservative person wants to come in and bring another viewpoint. A few students get mad, the person gets canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, talking specifically about the family estrangement, this was another article in The Atlantic. Um, it's by Joshua Coleman, and it's entitled "A Shift in American Family Values Is Fueling Estrangement." So this article is um, zooming in on the relationship between parents and adult children, and how the um, phenomenon of family estrangement has grown between parents and adult children. Um, and I think the article draws out some really interesting factors about how our culture has changed, how our how our beliefs about family values and what families are for has shifted. So I'm just going to read a little bit because I think it, it adds something really interesting. It says um, both sides, so that means adult children and parents, when, when he says both sides. Both sides often fail to recognize how profoundly the rules of family, li- family life have changed over the past half, sen- half century. Um, and then he's going to quote a, a historian named Stephanie Kuntz. Never before have family relationships been seen as so interwoven with the search for personal growth, the pursuit of happiness, and the need to confront and overcome psychological obstacles. So that is a quote from the historian Stephanie Kuntz. Um, who told the author that in an email. So here he's continuing with Stephanie. For most of history, family relationships were based on mutual obligations rather than on mutual understanding. Parents or children might reproach the other for failing to honor or acknowledge their duty, but the idea that a relative could be faulted for failing to honor or acknowledge one's identity would have been incomprehensible. So it's just the, it's what, what these estrangements um, and and the reasons for such estrangements, ha- as have been stated in this article, is highlighting is just how people's perceptions of relationships have shifted. How um, how if if someone isn't affirmed in in certain aspects of their life, that that is perceived as something that is harmful or hurtful. Um, And it's just real interesting. He goes on to say, there are good and bad features of modern family life in which relations are often based more on ties of affection than on duty or obedience. Mm -hmm. In these times, the people we choose to be close to represent not only a preference, but a profound statement of our identities. We are freed to surround ourselves with those who reflect our deepest values, parents included. We feel empowered to call on loved ones to be more sensitive to our needs, our emotions, and our aspirations. This freedom enables us to become untethered and protected from hurtful or abusive family members. Um, So I'll just read one more paragraph. Yet in less grave scenarios, our American love affair with the needs and rights of the individual conceals how much sorrow we create for those we leave behind. We may see cutting off family members as courageous rather than avoidant or selfish. We can convince ourselves that it's better to go alone than to, to do the work it takes to resolve conflict. Some problems may be irresolvable, but there are also relationships that don't need to be lost forever. Yeah. Wow. There's so much there. Mm-hmm. 
So much there. And and one of the first things Betsy and I would want to say is, of course, there are times to cut off relationships when there's abuse. Sure. There, there are absolutely, and the author's not denying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we are not saying, and the author's not saying, that you maintain a relationship no matter what is, right. is, is going on. Mm-hmm. But yet this, there is this um, increasing trend of people just cutting off relationships mm-hmm. um, because they're upset about something. And the whole process of working through things, reconciling, forgiving is being lost. And I'll tell you, Bets, I see this in my pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I see more and more the word duty is regarded as this negative, almost evil word. Mm. And everything has to be supposedly driven by the affections. Mm. So duty is considered this word that's anti-grace, anti-gospel, and everything needs to be driven from an emotional place. And of course, there is a way that duty can be divorced from a real living walk with Christ, Mm -hmm. where a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. Duty, there is a place for it. That's right. There is a place for fulfilling obligations, fulfilling responsibilities. There's a place for doing things when you don't feel like doing them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a place for, for letting your commitments be driven by your will with the understanding that sometimes the emotions are to follow behind mm-hmm. and to not take the lead. And even hearing that, yeah, you, you reading that article... Remember, it talked about affections driving right. relationships now right. mm-hmm. and not duty. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that when we do, um, in some ways, and I know that someone who chooses to cut someone off, let's say, you are losing that relationship, and I'm sure that there's a sorrow there for the person who's done it. You know, that there's that you feel the loss of the person that you've cut off mm-hmm. in, in some way. But also, I do think in other ways, that's the easier thing to do, just to shut the door on the relationship. Sure. Because doing work of relationships is really difficult. It requires a hard look at yourself sometimes, because, you know, sometimes you are motivated by things that you don't readily want to admit, even to yourself, and so when we look at our role in conflicts, that can be really painful and really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think as Christians, the work of the gospel would, and the truth of the gospel, the power of the gospel, Jesus living in our lives would tell us to get into the mess, mm-hmm. get into the hard work. And it's like you said, even if I am 97% sinned against, okay, and I'm only 3% responsible for the mess that exists in this relationship. I'm still 3% responsible, and I'm still called to reconcile and to forgive. To go back, Bets, to this article in The Atlantic, mm-hmm. I thought this was super interesting. The one I referenced earlier about mm-hmm. toxic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. You're dead to me. That article. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> I'm not title. talking to you, Bets. <laughs> it's a great title. Um, she quotes a, t- a 21-year-old influencer. Who was po- this TikTok? who posted this online. I I don't recall where this was posted. But here's what was posted online. The influencer said, here's your your reminder that unless someone explicitly told you with their words that they are upset with you, there is no need for you to worry yourself sick. You have no mental or emotional obligation to people who do not communicate with you no matter how much you love them. Hmm. And and what she's saying there is, let me explain that. She's saying like, if you cut someone off, you're not 
don't worry about how they feel. Who cares how they feel? That's not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just, you do you. Um, and, and really that is, it's, it's just a very um, individualistic perspective that I don't bear responsibility for those around me and my impact on them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if like, I, I read the part where the, the influencer was, so the art, the author of the article actually interviewed that influencer yep. to ask her what she meant by that. And I think what, so, a, a small part of what she was trying to get after was if someone doesn't tell you that you hurt them, then it's not your problem. Yep. Um, first of all, I don't know how clear that is in what she said, but also, so yes, is there truth to that? Like, I mean, I've been in the situation where I've played mental mind games with myself of like, that person was acting kind of weird. And then you rack your brain. What could I have done to that person? What could I possibly, how could I have offended that person? Are they being passive aggressive with me? Yeah. And so that is an unhelpful state of mind. And we should expect people to have the maturity to come and talk to us when or not not even the maturity but we should we should hope that people would come and talk to us when we've offended them the the reality is a lot of times that won't happen and so if we if we've offended someone just because they don't tell us that that doesn't absolve us of our need to to go to them and to reconcile the relationship right absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i think this has major implications for our culture the world we're living mm-hmm. in today Again, we, I, I do believe we're living in a culture of more fragility, but it also seems like we're living in a culture of greater resentment, mm-hmm. more and yes. more. And uh, more and more people are saying to other people, you're toxic, you're evil, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is beyond like real abuse. This right. is beyond... right. You know, obviously, we're recognizing that there are things that are just sinful and evil and wicked, and right. and should be dealt with appropriately. And and there are times to cut off relationships, but it seems like this is spreading. Mm-hmm. This is spreading. I want to read just one verse of scripture as we wrap up. Ephesians four thirty two. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's kind of yeah. the episode. <laughs> That's the episode. But this is what's being lost. There's no forgiveness. Mm-hmm. There is no forgiveness in this modern paradigm that we're seeing. It's your toxic, you're gone, sayonara, see you later. Well, and beyond there's no forgiveness, which is which is true, there's also no humility to say, I see a situation the exact right way. I know you are one. You are in the wrong. I w- I'm not willing to consider if there's some some part of me that you know my ideas are wrong, or I see the situation wrongly, or whatever. Um, where's also we we need to live lives of humility, where we're willing to judge our own actions in in ways that may be, as I said before, that may be difficult. Yeah, Bets, Have you heard what Tim Keller's latest book is about? No. He is getting ready to publish a book on forgiveness. Oh, that'll be a good one. And his mm-hmm. perspective on what he is seeing with forgiveness in the culture. So mm. much of it interacts with the things that we've talked about. But as we wrap up, I'll give some pointed application to ourselves and to mm-hmm. our audience. Mm-hmm. If there are people that we are estranged with, 
we should ask ourselves, why is that the case? Mm. What role am I playing in that? Mm. What role uh, should I play moving forward in that? Are these relationships that uh, need to be severed, uh, that need to have distance in them? Is there a place for me to extend forgiveness in this? Even if the other person is the one that canceled us or cut things off, have we said, fine, I won't make any more effort with you? Mm-hmm. In our society, that's considered totally cool, totally normal. In fact, it's considered healthy. Mm. But from a Christian biblical perspective, that is not what God is calling us to do, Yeah, right? Yeah, it, it, as you just referenced, I love the sentence from this article that I read about family estrangement. Some, As you just said, some problems may be irresolvable, but there are also relationships that don't need to be lost forever. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Billy Grooms, our producer, is throwing out all kinds of Bible verses at me here on offending our brother and going to him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, there's the words of Je- I mean, there's multiple words of Jesus that speak to this. But here's our calling, Intersect audience, as we live in a world more and more that cancels people, that labels people toxic, we're called to be the forgiving, reconciling, pursuing people of God. Mm-hmm. It's a good word. Well, thanks for joining us. Bets, what helps this podcast if people do what? Hey, you know, if you would just go on your podcast app and rate, review, and subscribe. So rate means you give us a certain number of stars, whatever you think we need. Sure. And review, there's, I only use the Apple podcast app, so I'm not sure that this would be on all apps. But if you are on an iPhone, you can go into the podcast app and scroll down to the bottom of where you listen to us. And there is a section there to write a review if that would so uh, suit you and that um, helps other people to find us. As always, we will link show notes. These articles will be put in the show notes if you'd like to read them more. That's at uh, anyprez.com slash podcasts. We will link these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.